Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. I was wondering how many of the 11 o'clock would come to 1030 with us. It looks like most of you. Um, so, yeah, just, just there's probably going to be some seats open at 12 for your friends that don't want to be crowded. But, um, guys, as Lindsay already alluded to, uh, we're thrilled that you're here and there's a lot happening just in Epic Church right now. Uh, even as a lead pastor who used to be called a walking calendar, I even have to go keep looking at my notes to see what all are we doing. We were at a citywide alpha retreat over the last two days. We're starting three gatherings today, team night tonight with our friend Joseph Barkley. I mean, you do not want to miss tonight. It's, gonna, it's going to be special. Um, the things that are coming up with the Hope Project next month. Um, I know I've told you this before, but we've been told that we're less than a month away from having final design and final pricing for our construction of our new home at 414 Brandon Street. I know, I know you've told me that before, man. I'm just telling you what they've told me. Um, but do be praying for that. We're, we have three permits with the city. All of that is on the website, uh, the city's website. We're praying to get those three permits done by Christmas, which would be like two months from now. Um, if that happens, we could start construction in January. So please, just be praying in our future home. That's happening. But I also know, not just in our church, there's a lot happening in your life. And I know uh, lots of stories in this room, and there's so many stories I don't know. And I know you walk in today, maybe even it's hard for you to concentrate because of what you're carrying. This week, I was texting with friend, uh, a friend who Uh, mom looks like she's in her last days. I was texting with another friend who totally unexpectedly lost his job uh, this week. I was texting with a close friend of mine um, who last month got diagnosed with stage four cancer, asking him, how was the chemo today? I know you're carrying a lot. And I know there's a whole lot going on in our world, isn't there? And we could pull out a lot of stories, and so we're not elevating a story over all the other stories, but um, I assume, like me, you have been reading and watching and thinking and hopefully praying about all that's happening in Israel. Uh, I get all the why questions and all, all, all that. This isn't the place or space for that. I want you to know um, there are people in our community, uh, both from Israel as well as uh, Palestinians, and, and so we're, we're cognizant of that. And I know that this is one of those moments where we can get sidetracked with our faith or get sidetracked with what's most important. All I want to offer us today is just a chance to pray around one specific word that I feel like God gave me this week as I was thinking about this. Uh, in, in, in the Psalm 120s, what you have are a number of Psalms of Ascent. And so this is what would be sung and prayed as the Jews would go towards Jerusalem. And there's this one line in Psalm 125, verse 2, and that's kind of what I want to lean into today, just around the word surrounded. And here's what it says. As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so as the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. This is a prayer that I prayed just for my own life, for our family, for our church family, um, and never sort of thought about it with Israel in mind. But I want to do that now. And here's what we know. In a moment like this, um, every individual is surrounded by so much there fear and evil and um, loss and and all the words, Um, but would you just join me just for a moment to think about that word surrounded and ask God to fill every person with his presence and that he would fill every square inch. And I want to remind us 
because it's easy to lose hope at a time like this, I want to remind us that it seems so hopeless for the 400 years that there was oppression under Pharaoh. And though he, we think he should have shown up sooner, God showed up, freed his people. And I want to just ask that he would do that again by surrounding that whole land, by surrounding all the countries that are adjacent, and by surrounding every person. Would you just join me in that? God, so many questions, but right now we want to focus in on that word surrounded, and we pray for every person, God, and all the devastation and all the unimaginable loss, God, and all the evil. God, we pray that you would surround um, that land, those people, God, with your presence. God, we wonder in moments like this where you are, would you show us that you're present? God, would you show people that are right there? Would you show them that you're present? Would you somehow comfort those who are grieving? Would you somehow bring love where there is fear? God, would you somehow bring your peace to where there is anxiety? And God, would you end this? God, would you intervene? Would you both combine your power and your mercy? God, I think about so many scriptures that say what you did through your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. And God, we're asking for rescue, salvation, deliverance, and an end to this. God, would you come quickly, Lord Jesus? It's in your name we pray. Amen. I wish I had unlimited time. Anybody else? I mean, there's just so much I want to do. There are so many people I want to hang out. I would love to hang out with all of you if I had more time. There are so many places I want to go. I promise you, if I had unlimited time, this sermon would be a lot better than it's going to be. But I don't have unlimited time. Sorry. Since I don't have unlimited time, I should really be strategic with how I invest my limited time. I wish I could have unlimited gifts. Anybody else? Like, come on, just fess up. Do you, don't you think it would be so fun to be great at everything? Just imagine what you could do if you were great at everything. You could sing songs that would fill the world's concert halls. You, you, you could play professional sports in multiple sports at the highest level. You could create culinary masterpieces that would get you all the Michelin stars and more. You could make art that would have your work being displayed in the most famous museums in our world. If you and I were just great at everything, but here's the thing. You do not have unlimited gifts. So here's my advice. You really want to be wise with how you invest your limited gifts. And I don't know about you, and you may think this is blasphemous for a pastor to even say it, but I wish I could have unlimited wealth. Come on, don't condemn me. Don't tell me I should have chosen a different industry. I just wish I could have unlimited wealth. I would buy a home here and in all of my favorite vacation destinations. I would tell my kids, hey, guys, I know right now you're restricted to these three college choices, but if I had unlimited wealth, you can go wherever you want. We'll pay cash for your undergraduate and your master's. If it takes you an extra year, we'll cover that too. But right now I'm like, hey, man, you guys are going to have to split this up some Way. If I had unlimited wealth, I could eat at a Michelin star restaurant every single night. Hey, think about this. If I had unlimited wealth, I would be on the front row for every major sporting event instead of only being able to sit on the front row at church. <laughs> it's a perk, they tell me. But I don't have unlimited wealth. And since I don't have unlimited wealth, I should be really thoughtful about how I invest my limited wealth. 
listen to me. Here's a word for you. I got a lot of words for you today. If you're like, Ben, what's your life message? You're getting a lot of it today, but it's a brand new talk I've never given before. Here's what you've got to know as we think about this series, You Care Too Much, How to Right Size the Value of Everything. Listen, when something precious is limited, its value goes way up. Truth? I mean, you learn this in school. Uh, one of my kids is taking economics right now. It's, it's the old law of supply and Supply and demand. When something precious is limited, its value goes way up. One of my kids started collecting sports cards, and he's like, oh, that's kind of fun. And then he realized he could make money collecting and selling sports cards. And so now it's like a side hustle. Like it's such a side hustle that he had to fill out tax forms on eBay. It's that kind of side hustle. And when he's explaining to me how valuable a particular card is, most of the times it has something to do with how rare that card is. No, think about the correlation. Oftentimes, when something is limited, it's super valuable. So with that in mind, you've got to think about taking your value up a little bit. Here's what you need to know. If something precious is limited, its value goes way up. So think about this. Your time is limited. Your gifts are limited. Your wealth, I know you know this one, is limited. Which means this, friends. Listen closely. If you're watching at home or right here in the room, your life is limited. If the stats are right, I am over midfield towards the end of my life. Now, I'm going to try to outdo it. I'm an overachiever. (laughs) But statistics tell me I'm already over that line. And I just need you to know the passion I'm carrying with me today is I want my life to count. So this message I'm giving is called Playing for Keeps. I love certain titles, and this is one of those titles, Playing for Keeps. For keeps. I want to tell you what this message could do to you, and then I'm going to tell you what I hope this message will do to you. What this message could do to you is it could put so much pressure on you to constantly overanalyze and overthink your whole life that you never live into the full intention of that life. That's not my aim today. My aim today is to sober us up a little bit and instead to focus here. Here's the big principle of today's message. We want to make our one precious life count for what matters the most and lasts the longest. I thought I would get some preach back. Let me just try that again. We want to make our one precious life count for what matters the absolute most and lasts the longest. Like, no, we don't, man. I just want to chill. I want to get paid a lot, not do a lot. I don't want us to think today so much about how do we spend our time and spend our gifts and spend our money. I want us to think instead about how we invest our time, invest our gifts, and invest our money. One commentator said it like this. Since life is so brief, we cannot afford merely to spend our lives, and we certainly don't want to waste our lives. What do we do? We must invest our lives in those things that are. I want you to just run a quick playback of your last 168 hours, your past week, my past week. How many of those hours were invested in things that are going to matter a thousand years from now? And the game isn't that all of them should be, but some of them should be. More of them perhaps for us should be. So here's the question for us. How will we invest our lives into what will last forever? How will we invest our lives into what will last forever? Who's ready for a verse of encouragement? All right, here it is, James 4.14. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Friend, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Sermon over. 
All right, I need everybody to get a neighbor, make eye contact. If you're an introvert, you can email me later, but you're going to do it. Get a neighbor, okay? You're going, one of you is going to be the question asker. One of you is going to be the question answer, okay? The question asker, here's what you're going to ask the, the neighbor. What is my life, okay? So this says, what is your life? You're going to say, what is my life? And if you're the question responder, you're going to just look, them, like, look through them. You're going to look through them and into their eyes deeply. Not, not, not so much we're trying to match make before you know, we get out of church. And you're going to say, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Okay? So on three, if you're the question asker, what is my life? Question answer. One, two, three. <laughs> Who's feeling encouraged? Some of you are like, if I'm just a miss that's here for a moment and then gone, I'm going to live this thing however I want to. Now, hey, I love that you're smiling. I think we need more smiling and laughing in church. I really do. But here's what. As you read this verse and take it in and it sobers you up a bit, here's what you could be feeling. You could think about you're a miss that appears a little while and then vanishes. What you could start doing for the rest of your life is obsessing over how long you will live. Friends, here's the point. It's not to obsess over how long you will live, but it is to hone in on how you will live. I don't know how much longer I have. I don't know how much longer you have. And this isn't some morbid reality. It is just reality. And because my life is short, and God knows this is my heartbeat, like I want to leverage my life towards the thing and things that God's made my life for, and I want you to jump on that train as well. And I want us to imagine what would a church full of people doing that look like. That's what I really want us to see. Anybody ever wish you had an eighth day of the week or 30 hours in a day? Anybody? I'm going to ask you a question, okay? You can decide to be churchy or tell the truth. So here we go. If you had an eighth day of the week, what would you do with it? Come on, lie to me. Lie to yourself. I would live it so much differently, Ben. I would just crush the eighth day. You would not. Pretend like you only have six and God just gave you a seventh. And just ask yourself, what are you doing with that? I mean, sometimes we're, like, we think God got it wrong. And that may sound blasphemous, but I just think sometimes we imagine, like, God, if, 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 the, if you know, like the ancient peoples needed only 24 hours that was enough for them sure whatever but god we have electricity we have the internet god we have ai and god's like i know i should cut your time in half right like, what do you i mean you've compressed it all and we're modern men and women and modern boys and girls and we're living in a modern world god and you need to understand 24 hours seven days a week 70 or 80 years that's not sufficient because we have so many options and so many opportunities I love this word from J. Oswald Sanders in a book that I believe was written in the late 1940s. I urge everyone to read it. It's called Spiritual Leadership, and here's what he said in his chapter on time. Listen, each of us has the time to do the whole will of God for our lives. Let me give it to you again. Each of us, you do, but Ben, I'm a CEO. Okay. Ben, I'm a mom of four kids. I got you. Each of us has the time to do the whole will of God for our lives. You know what we don't have the time to do? All of the things we're doing that God never intended for us to be doing. You don't have time for that. Each of us has the time to do the whole will of God for our lives. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? And that classic line from Moses in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
It's really important. Moses doesn't write, teach us to number our days so we can be paralyzed by how short they are. No, God, would you teach us to number our days so that we might learn how to live them well? I want to live my days left well. Anybody else? Anybody besides me have a little bit of regret on how you've lived some of your days so far? And it's not going to be perfection, but my gosh, I want to lean into the tip of the spear of what my life is intended to be all about, and I want to take you there with me. I want to go for it. I want to quit overthinking. I want to quit worrying about what you think of me. I want to, I want to quit wondering, what if I had gone for it? No, let's go for it. Let's just put it out there. I mean, if we're just here for a moment, let's make it count. I want my life to count. Then you get this line from Paul in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of. We're like, no, God, I'll make the most of a couple opportunities. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Listen to this last word in, in, in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And friends, there it is once again. The last three points I've made, there's a link between time and wisdom. There's a link between, man, when you realize that you're a miss, there should be wisdom lever go way up and realize, okay, how can I wisely use the time I've been given because I'm just wasting it sometimes. And if you're like me, I'm giving um, significant time oftentimes to things that just aren't significant at all. Now, let's talk about time wasters for a moment. Now, you, you may have some things on this category, things that you should be doing with none of your time. So I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but if you have things on the list of, hey, you should do, use none of your time for whatever is under that category, um, ask the Holy Spirit, ask a counselor, ask for help in this community. Like, we want those things to go away completely. But I do think for most of us, it's not that we're spending time necessarily on things that are evil. I just think good things that, we spend too much time on our time wasters as well. With me? Like social media is good. Too much of it is bad. Keeping up with the news, you need to be well informed, but you don't need to be dominated. Right? TV, it's great. Too much of it, mm, not so great. And some of you, your time wasters are caring way too much what people think, worrying about your uncertain future, and, and, and trying to keep up with everyone else's lives. So here's the question. What are you giving your time to that isn't a wise use of your time? I know it's convicting for me too. I've sat with a question longer than you have. But just think, what are you giving your time to? Let me tell you what it is for me usually. Usually for me, it's not bad things usually. It's usually too much checking in on things that need a little less checking in on. Like, do I need to know the attendance trajectory for Epic Church to make decisions? Yes. Do I need to refresh it every other hour? Financial investments. I should be aware of what the stock market's doing. Again, checking it all the time? No. Should I know what's going on with Epic's permits for 414 Brandon? Yes. Do I, I mean, I'm just glad you guys can't see my computer how many times I've gone to that DBI website. Is the permit changed today? And then we have three of them, so I can just check that one and check this one. And check. It's like, no, usually for me it's just too much of, of a good thing. Um, now, now, listen to me. Investing your time wisely, really important. It does not mean you constantly have to be producing things. Listen, a wise investment of our time includes getting rest. 
It includes feasting with friends. It, it, it includes getting recreation that you, helps replenish your body and your mind and your soul. It includes date night with your spouse. Aren't you glad? Any uh, ladies in the house want to say, can you say that louder, Pastor? Any guys feel like you need a date night? She's like, come on, man. I said about you at church. What do you want? Like, I was your neighbor during the what is your life game. And one-on-one time with your kids, that is a super wise investment of your time. A weekend getaway with friends, that's a wise investment of your time. Those are good things that God gives us to enjoy. But I also think we have to think, how will I invest my time so that I might influence others for what matters the most and lasts the longest? Many of you know this about me. I operate out of a life plan. My life plan tells me where to direct my time and my energy, where to direct my gifts, and where to direct my wealth. It tells me all of those things. What you may not know about my life plan, though, is that it begins with a eulogy. So if you were to see my life plan, and I'm glad to, to show most of it to you. <laughs> I'm glad to show most of it to you. If you were to see my life plan, it begins with a eulogy, and so everything's written in the past tense about the life I lived. Now, I don't know everything that God intends for my life, but as much as I understand God's full intention for my life, I write my eulogy in such a way. So Shauna's got a whole category, and it's like, hey, Ben loved Shauna like this. He gave all the things, and then it's got for my kids, and then as a pastor, and a leader, and a friend, and a son, and a brother, and a father, and like all, all the things. And, and I wonder if you, like, when you wake up on Tuesday, and I don't think you have to obsess over constantly checking in on the plan or the long-term vision of your life, but, but are you linking your Tuesday morning to what you want your life to be about? Are you linking what you do on the weekends to what you want your life to be about? Oftentimes people will tell me, Ben, I want my life to be about this, this, and the other. And I look at their calendar. They tell me how they're investing their money or their thinking time. And I'm like, you're doing nothing about that. Listen, what your life is going to be about is simply the sum total of your days. That's not to put pressure on you, just to go, hey, I kind of have this pie in the sky idea of what my life, I want it to, be. like if I asked you what your life was about, none of you would be like, man, my life's going to be about three hours, 37 minutes of Instagram a day. Checking 25 news sources a day. Listen to this experiment from Arthur Brooks that he invites us into. Anyone read the book From Strength to Strength? It's kind of taken off lately. I mean, it hadn't really taken off here, but... Um, it's amazing. Like, let me just encourage you. It's such a good book. And, and then he has a new book that just came out that I'm just starting to read with Oprah. And anyway, Arthur Brooks is a Christian. Here's what, he, here's what he says as an exercise. He says, in short, imagine it's your last year of life as well as of work. On the Sunday afternoon before the first day of each month, contemplate these questions. If I had one year left in my career and my life, how would I structure this coming month? What would be on my to-do list? What would I choose not to worry about? I am willing to guess that taking an extra work trip at the expense of seeing my spouse and staying late to impress the boss are not items that will be on your schedule. More likely, take a weekend away and call my friend will show up instead. Just be thinking, like, what do you want your life to be about? Because so many of us live with a one-day mentality. And can, I, can, I, can I urge you out of that? Like, can I shake you out of that for a moment? I had to be done saying one day, one day I'll wake up, wake up early enough to spend time with God. One day I'll have the hard conversation with that friend who, who, who did me wrong. One day I'll, I'll go after the dreams that God puts on my heart. One day I'll write a book. One day I'll, I'll start serving in my church. Guys, let's drop the one day. Today's the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, get in the game today. Listen, we can't do anything about what we've wasted at this point, but can we just all go hand in hand and say from this day forward, I want to get in on whatever it is, and I want to move forward it right when he says it to me. Can you imagine what would happen in our church? 
your relationships, your family, your vocation, this city, and from this city to the world. Just imagine what would happen. So your time, it's limited. Invest it wisely. But your gifts are also limited. And I want you to see what Peter tells us to do with our gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Peter writes these words. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Do you know your God-given gifts? If not, start today and go on a mission to discover what they are. If so, start deploying those gifts. Can we stop comparing ourselves to what everyone else has been given and their gifts? Is that helping anyone? Is that moving the ball forward? Is it giving you peace? Is it giving you fulfillment? Is it making a difference? I love this from Ken Costa in his book, Know Your Why, a great purpose book. He says, it really is a question of what I will do with what I have rather than what I might be able to do if I were different. It's really a question of what will you do and you do and you do and you do and I do with what we actually have rather than think about what we might be able to do if we were different. So I could spend all of my energy wishing that I could write songs and sing them like Seth Condry. Good use of my time. I could wish that I could do video production like Brenda does so beautifully here at Epic. Or that I could carry out projects from start to finish like Lindsay Lee does. Do you want me to spend my time and energy doing those things? Or do you want me to stay in the lane that God has said, Ben, this is your lane? What do you want me to do? I mean, this is like, if you say it wrong, I've still got to ignore you. But what do you want me to do? And use the gifts God gave to me and cheer them on in theirs. But I can't give significant energy to trying to be them. I need to be me and use what God gave me. Peter says, each of you. How many is that? It's you and it's you and it's you and it's everyone watching. Now here's what's beautiful. If I will bring my gifts, it's not like I'm living on an island. Do you know, just the four people I mentioned, myself included, with Brenda, Lindsay, and Seth. Do you know, and this is just a small portion of our whole staff team, not even mentioned hundreds of you. Do you know what the four of us with God's help and spirit have been able to collaborate on and produce together? Do you know, like today's service? Anybody enjoying that? Imagine if the more than 1,000 of us who show up at least once a month at Epic in person, what would happen if we brought our collective gifts? But some of you are burying your gifts Some of you are being distracted by everyone else's gifts. Some of you are feeling guilty for gifts you don't have. None of that is from God, and none of that will help you or anybody else. Now, you've got to pay attention to the divine flow Peter mentions. He says, here's the flow. Really interesting, simple, but profound. He says, the flow is this. You receive a gift from God. You use it to serve others. You receive it. It's a gift you've received. You don't have to work for it. Now, you can cultivate it and develop it. Please do. But it's not meant to end with you. If it ends with you, God may just take it away. And why not if you're not going to use it for its intended purpose? And then Peter says you should do this as a steward of God's grace. So God's grace is how we get the gifts. We haven't earned those gifts. And when he talks about stewardship, we typically think about being a financial steward. Um, But you need to be a great steward of the gifts you've been given by God. 
How are you managing and leveraging and utilizing and cultivating what God has given to you? So your time is limited, invest it wisely. Your gifts are limited, invest them wisely. But these aren't the only things that are limited in your life, are they? Your money is also temporary. And living in San Francisco probably means it will run out sooner than if you live somewhere else. So the question we should ask with our money is this one based on today's message. Is there a practice that will help us leverage what is temporary for the sake of what is eternal? Now, at 9 o'clock, they thought that was a rhetorical question. I'm going to let you say yes or no. Is there a practice that will help us leverage what is temporary for the sake of what is eternal? 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Such a good God. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, in the way of generosity, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of that life which is truly life. Do you want to take hold of life that is truly life, or do you want to keep grasping for something that appears like it's life, but it's actually hollow on the inside? And this is is about to sound crazy from my mouth, but I just keep seeing God say it over and over and over again. Listen closely. In God's kingdom, we somehow get to keep what we give. Don't ask me to get the whiteboard out and show you the equation. I can't do that, but I can tell you story after story after story after story. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 bring that principle home. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but somehow comes to poverty. So they hold on to what they have. They, they come to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Henry Nowen elaborates on the same point when he says, what we hold on to always diminishes. What we give away always multiplies. And the big principle of Scripture about investment of wealth is this principle. Listen closely. Generosity on earth stores up treasure in heaven. How are you using your mist for something that will last forever? When it comes to your time, when it comes to your gifts, when it comes to your wealth. Again, this isn't encouraging. I love life. Anybody just, well, I'm not going to ask you if you don't love life. That's a different. I think a lot about life. I think a lot about my future. In some ways, I want it just to keep going on and on and on. But here's the reality. Life is short. And because life is short, you need to be, and I need to be strategic about how we invest our time, our gifts, and our wealth. And my encouragement is the title from today. Please, play for keeps. Play for the stuff that matters today and will matter a long time from now. Please give your life, your time, your energy, your wisdom, your gifts, your wealth for things that matter most and last the longest. In closing, I want to offer two invitations to you. I do believe one of these two is for every person in this room. The first one is this. If you've never experienced life in Jesus, let me, let me, let me tell you a great paradox from today's teaching that you really want to pay attention to. Your life, look at me, your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, and your life is eternal. How can those both be true? I mean, God's word says that that he's put eternity in our hearts. John 17 says that this is eternal life, that they may know Jesus Christ. So how is my life a mist that appears for a moment, and then it's gone forever, and then how does it last forever? Your life on earth compared to your eternal life is just a vapor. 
is just here today and gone tomorrow. But did you know that better than investing your time, better than investing your gifts, better than investing your wealth, if you would invest your life in the life Jesus is offering you, do you know that you could, with your mist, change your eternity? And today, in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to stand. We're going to respond. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to say, hey, today's the day, because here's what I know. And you're like, Ben, how do you know this? Well, some of you have told us, and I just know in a room this size and uh, sort of this global population online, I know that some of you just keep saying, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus one day. Some of you started that conversation eight years ago. And we can declare amnesty today. We're not going to hold you liable because we can't for what's been true so far. But I promise you, if you just keep saying, I'm going to do it one day, your life will end and that day won't have come. It just wouldn't have shown, shown up. So my encouragement from Scripture is like, today's the day of salvation. You are a miss, but you are also eternal. And today you can do something because of what Jesus has done for you. He came, he invested his life. And listen, the best investment you can make, the, the best way to make your life count for what matters the most and lasts the longest is to put your life in the good hands of Jesus. If you want to do that today, it's available. For the rest of us, I'm going to call our church or whoever is willing to just to kind of come around this altar. I, I wonder what might happen if we begin to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. If we begin just to go open-handed, and so you'll see me in a moment. I'll pray right here, kneeling at the altar, and just open-handed go, God, you know how much time I have. God, you know the gifts you've given. You know uh, my financial reality today and what it will be for the rest of my days on this earth. And God, I just want you to know that I want to invest these for what matters the most and lasts the longest. So we're going to have, um, if you guys would stand with me, let's just take a posture of prayer. We've got ministry and prayer leaders that want to pray with you, for you. If there's something that grabs your heart today, you guys can go ahead and move to your stations. There's two either side of me and then in the, whole, in the aisle way back. Guys, don't miss this moment. Don't, don't miss this opportunity to just to say to God, God, I don't even know what it would look like to invest my life for your sake and your mission, but I, I want to do that. And then for us collectively to think about, man, I don't know about you, but I want to see a movement in our day. Does anybody else? I, I want our generation, not someplace else, not somewhere else, I want in a downtown San Francisco for it to be written one day that God showed up and, and he showed up as a response to this church community and multiple church communities posturing themselves and saying, you can have it. Do you want to keep your life in your hands or will you invest it in his hands and his plan? God, today we want to we want to say thank you. Jesus, with your short earthly life, you just went all in. You didn't waste time. You invested it. You didn't waste the gift of your life. You gave it all. We want to follow you. You know the world we live in. You know about our distractions. You know we're constantly being bombarded with opportunities. You know the things we think about ourselves and about others. And could all of that just kind of fall by the wayside and us just in a fresh way consecrate ourselves? And church, consecration just means that we, we are offering ourselves. We're allowing our lives to be set apart for whatever he wants to do with us. And I wonder on the back end of this posture, would God show up by his spirit and do something in our day that change a church 
change churches, it would change the city, in some ways it would change the world. You have one life. It's very limited. And because of your precious life is limited, it's very valuable. Please give yourself to what matters the most and lasts the longest. The altar's open. I really do want to ask us to consecrate ourselves. People are ready to pray with you. Let's respond in worship. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.